I'm Warren Berkeley with the Laurel Heights Church of Christ in McAllen, Texas, and we are here to continue our studies in the book of Acts. Chapter 6 is the location of our study today, and this is being produced for December the 2nd, 2020. I'll give you four fast facts, and then we will read and study from Acts chapter 6. Four fast facts. These first Christians in Jerusalem are diligent in taking care of each other. Bringing contributions to the apostles, distribution was made to needy Christians at first by the apostles. The priority, however, was preaching the gospel. In this section, Stephen emerges, but only briefly. Let's begin Acts chapter 6. Now, in these days... When the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenaeus, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. That's Acts 6, 1 through 7. Let's start with that phrase in verse 1, the disciples were increasing in number. In modern thinking, there is a widespread idea that the higher the number, the better. And if you hear about a local church in Houston or Dallas or Tampa with 600 members, the temptation is to think that's great, especially if you're a member of a small church when you hear of high numbers, your first impulse may be, well, that's better, that's great. So when you go through the book of Acts, it is enlightening. You may think the higher the numbers, the fewer the problems. It doesn't turn out that way. There are certain problems or issues that may occur even with more frequency as the number of people increase. And that's what happened in Jerusalem. There were so many people taking care of needy Christians and doing that fairly with justice. Distribution fairly executed became very difficult. And here is a case where there were Hellenists, that means Jews who had settled outside of Palestine and perhaps spoke Greek, the Hebrews were those Jews who had been raised in Jerusalem or elsewhere in Judea, 
and they spoke Hebrew, a natural segregation came to pass through this language difference, perhaps with some other cultural differences. Something that happened in the kingdom, people of diverse background came together and there was some tension as they learned how to deal with each other and treat each other and work and worship together. So not surprising, a complaint was made by the Hellenist against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution by the apostles of necessary provisions. It is striking to me what the apostles did not do. They didn't take sides one against the other. They didn't ignore the problem. They didn't make arguments and conduct debates and stir up dissension. They didn't table the motion until the next business meeting. Quickly and efficiently, they solved the problem and the problem isn't mentioned again. That's impressive. When you consider how one complaint, even in a small group, can ignite sometimes a firestorm or a battle that goes on for years. When you factor in cultural differences and how these young Christians were in their faith, uh, how much opposition was around them. I'm impressed, aren't you? Quickly and efficiently, the apostles solved the problem, and the problem isn't mentioned again through the end of the book of Acts. The solution was not complicated. The apostles said, we have to preach the word. That's our charge. We cannot put benevolence into our workload. We have to preach. Select some men to take care of this matter, and we will devote ourselves to prayer in the ministry of the word. That said, notice, you cannot just pull names from a hat. The men you select to take care of this must be good men who will be fair, spiritually minded men, men of faith who can be trusted to take care of these widows fairly, no matter what language they speak. The men were selected by the church and the apostles appointed them to the task. And then verse 7 is notable. And the word of God continued to increase and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. I see something there. In verse 7, we should talk about the priest became obedient to the faith. First, this shows that the gospel's power broke into this almost dogmatically protected class of men, the priest. The signs and wonders performed by the apostles confirm the truth of the gospel. That evidence reaches the good and honest hearts of men who had lived as integral parts of the Jewish religion, the priest. And also, they became obedient to the faith. This phrase shows what we know, that faith must be obedient, that faith discovers its existence in obedience. That's Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. I'm going to continue at verse 8. And Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. 
Then some of those who belonged to the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, and of the Cyrenians, and of the Alexandrians, and of those from Cilicia and Asia, rose up and disputed with Stephen. But they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. Then they secretly instigated men who said, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes, and they came upon him and seized him and brought him before the council. And they set up false witnesses who said, This man never ceases to speak words against this holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and will change the customs that Moses delivered to us. And gazing at him, all who sat in the council saw that his face was like the face of an angel. That these men were chosen to be servants or deacons to care for these widows certainly did not mean they were limited to their work in benevolence. So here is Stephen, who shows himself to be especially energetic and zealous and powerful in his testimony to his brethren. Let's talk for a few minutes about the synagogues. You will not come to a place in the law of Moses or the Old Testament where Jewish synagogues were commanded, established, required, instituted. The best we can determine during the Babylonian captivity period when the Jews would not get to Jerusalem, local gathering places came into existence. In the years before Christ, when Jews were scattered, synagogues were places where they met. They gathered to read the law, to study, and to worship. Now, this speaks of the synagogue of the freedmen, a designation used to identify emancipated slaves, perhaps Jews from Rome who had been freed, and now there was a bonding they had banded together. The men of this synagogue rose up and disputed with Stephen. We can assume from this Stephen was known among this Jewish group, and perhaps they were troubled that he became a Christian, now involved in benevolence, but he was continuing to preach the gospel of Christ. Here was a man who left Judaism to become a follower of Christ. They wanted to argue with Stephen, but they had not anticipated the caliber of the man, nor the wisdom the Holy Spirit gave him. Verse 10, they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. They had no working counter-arguments to oppose the gospel. They had no working counter-arguments to oppose the gospel. They could not contradict what Stephen was preaching. Now, here's what happened to Christ, to Stephen, and later to Paul and others. The truth of the gospel, the message itself could not be denied. So, false charges were made against the people who bore those messages. Verse 11, 
They secretly instigated men who said, we have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. This was a dishonest counter attack. It is telling. Luke says they did this secretly and it was instigated. To this add an additional dishonest effort to stir people up, strive, generating contention. Verse 12, and they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes, and they came upon him and seized him and brought him before the council. What we are reading here is increasing opposition from the leading Jewish men who rejected the gospel. We discovered it in chapter 4 and 5. Here it is again in chapter 6. They are not passive unbelievers. They are militant, willing to spread lies, even resort to physical violence. False witnesses are hired. That would be paid liars. The lie was that Stephen was speaking words against the synagogue, against the Jews, against the law. They even said that Stephen said that Jesus was going to destroy the instituted Jewish religion, that Jesus came to change everything. Now, there was an element of some truth in this. Jerusalem would be destroyed. Jesus had said that. We know that happened in 70 AD. Change was certainly a theme in teaching the gospel of Christ. But this is not an objective report of the work of Stephen. Rather, it's an effort to hinder or stop the preaching of the gospel of Christ. That's the purpose of these unbelievers and the leaders on the Sanhedrin council. The chapter ends on this note, and gazing at him, all who sat in the council saw that his face was like the face of an angel. That's Acts chapter 6. Some takeaways require our attention. Let's not rule out the devil in these events of chapter 6. Here's what I mean. There is little doubt in the opposition of the synagogue man, the devil is at work there. In the tactics of the unbelievers, they're using weapons supplied by the devil. That's clear. But isn't it possible that in the earlier event, in the issue about the care of widows, the devil in that case was making an attempt to drive a wedge in the church. Anytime there is any level of dissatisfaction, the devil wants to use that issue to create division, to embarrass, to discourage, to create division and conflict, to make the church out to be a spectacle of difficulty. In fact, we have three events reported in sequence, Ananias and Sapphira, the dispute about the widows, and the opposition to Stephen. The devil is in all this. He's in the details. The devil's interest is to use anything to break up the unity, to disturb the peace. Christians today need to be on guard against that. Problems need good, sound solutions that are implemented promptly. Satan is always on the lookout 
for ways to get into our minds and our families and our churches and our hearts to create confusion and ill will and ultimately to take us to hell. So we have to be steadfast. Number two, there is nothing that should ever take the place of preaching the gospel. Here's something we've talked about before. All through the book of Acts, benevolence is never primary. It is not the main thing. Benevolence for needy saints was taken care of on an event-to-event -event basis. Christians took care of each other. Christians were generous, but the apostles never allowed benevolence to become the priority. It was never the main thing. In churches today, in many places, preaching the word has become secondary. The main work has become charity and soup kitchens and secular education and social gatherings, etc. It becomes clear that the Bible isn't being used as their guide to govern their work and set their priorities. Preaching the word is our main work. Benevolence for needy members as we have ability when the needs come up. There is nothing that should ever take place of preaching the gospel. The apostles handled this issue, and that makes it very clear. They wanted this issue to be handled so they could spend their time and effort on the main thing, preaching the gospel. Here's something that really pertains also to what we will study in chapter 7 in the next class. When good men are falsely accused and opposed, we need to stand up with them and for them. I'll just bring that up here. We will see this and develop this further into chapter 7. Good people like Stephen, when persecuted, deserve the comfort and care of their brothers and sisters in the Lord. Two other brief points. The preaching, the preaching of the gospel must always be accompanied by prayer. The widow issue hints at something later revealed very clearly, and that is the fair distribution of labor. The apostles couldn't do everything. Let the apostles do this and let other men be selected to take care of that. So that's our study of Acts chapter 6. Remember these things. We cannot let the devil distract us from our primary work, preaching the gospel. Benevolence as needed. Generosity by individuals, of course. Opposition and persecution is expected as we do the main thing. Preach the gospel. Our task is to preach the word and live in such a way. The message is accompanied by good influence. Hope you'll come back for the next study in Acts chapter 7. Thank you.